Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School Class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming to this uh, Barry White-sponsored Sunday school this morning. So uh, that was the best I could do. Sorry. I was in Atlanta last night. There may or may not have been a UFC event in Atlanta where I may or may not have raised my voice. So this is where we're at this morning. You may need to lean in a little and, and listen. So. Let's start with our uh, scripture memory passage review. We're in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. So if you've had a sec to look over that, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, any or all of those. Looking around. You know the last one? Next one? Just the last? Really? That's an interesting one to pick. So why, why just the last one? Well, you know, that's a very interesting question that you should ask now because I've been asking myself that same question all week, but for some reason that was given as in all of our my upbringing as the verse. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, because it's talking about Jesus. Well, yeah, but it's kind of out of context. Oh, uh, yeah, it's very much out of context. If you just pull it out. Yes. So yes. <laughs> but it's good. such as... It is what it is, right? It is. Yeah. All right. So who would like to go first? And also, for those of you that said verses last week, the table is stocked this week, so apologies for the error on that, so you can come and... All right. I did start with the second verse, really. Oh, okay. I don't know. The devil is real. Shepherd the flock that is among you. Yes. Hang on just a sec, guys. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Sorry. I was distracted. <laughs> Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Yes. Serving as overseers. Yes. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Yes. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as... Nor as... Lording over those entrusted to you, yep. but serving as examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Excellent. So the good thing about knowing the one at the end is that it's you're downhill. like I know how to land the plane, right? This is good. We can get there. Good. Miss Amy. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Yes. Isn't that awesome? Yes. We have a promise. But one of the interesting things I think about the, uh, this, the studies that we do in looking at specific pieces of theology all throughout the scripture is that if you have studied the Old Testament and then you, then you look and you study the New Testament, you see that there are shadows in the Old Testament. There are pictures. There are types. There are 
you get ready for something and then the New Testament occurs and you go, oh, that's what that was for. And there's this progressive revealing of God's plan and his uh, perspective on the universe as we go through time. And I, I can't help but think when we get to heaven, we will look back and go, oh, that's what that's for. There'll just be more and more and more of that. Um, the, the longer I live and the more I get to talk to Christians that have been walking with the Lord for a very long time, it is it never gets old. It just never gets old. So, yes, Dave? It happens when you start to have adult children. Adult children, yes. Yeah, you're the, oh, that's what my parents meant. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of scenarios where that would play in, right? Every once in a while you get a thank you. Every once in a while you get a thank you? Thank you. Cool. Yeah, no, well, that's okay. <laughs> All right, so this week we're in week five of the Doctrine of the Church, uh, and there's a, there's a phrase at the top of your handout that you may or may not be familiar with, and it may or may not make you go, what is that? Um, and the title of this chapter is Means of Grace Within the Church. And so how many of you have never heard the phrase means of grace before? Never, never heard means of grace? Yeah. And if you haven't, that's absolutely fine. This is not, uh, you've probably tipped your hand that you either... Uh, grew up in a, a Baptist church growing up, or you may not have had a church background growing up, because this is not a typical Baptist phrase that is used, but it is a really good phrase to describe a whole bunch of stuff. So, so I want to pause before we get into today's lesson and rewind way back to the very first lesson of our, of our uh, salvation series. So when we talked about salvation with Grudem, we looked at a phrase called common Grace, yeah, good, you remember this. And, and Grudem defined it as anything that, that didn't look like the burning fires of hell. Yes, good, you remember that. So the, the idea is that there is this grace that is bestowed on the entire world that just enables us to exist long enough to hear about Jesus Christ, to become Christians, to follow Him, and to live in this world for Him, which is wonderful because without that common grace that's kind of the... the peanut butter over the whole world that just spreads and allows things to happen, we would never get to know Him. So, so now we transition, and we're going to take that common grace that is for everybody, and we're going to look at a very small sliver of that pie um, and look at the means of grace within the church. So, uh, so kind of the, the first question, and we'll define it here in just a second. Well, let's go ahead and define it. That's probably your first blank anyway. Uh, the means of grace are any activities within the fellowship of the church that God uses to give more grace to Christians. So as opposed to more grace to the entire world, this is just for Christians. And since we're studying the doctrine of the church, what are the, the mechanisms or the ways in which God gives grace to individual Christians through the mechanism of the church? Now, so what we're not talking about here, we're not talking about uh, personal prayer. We're not talking about... Uh, personal worship of, of the Lord. We're not talking about uh, personal Bible study or personal faith because you can do those things in a closet in your home, right? So we're talking about the things that are done more collectively. How does God give us grace through the mechanism of the church? And, and I, wanna, I want us to think about it in three different ways. One, uh, you know, what's the series that we're doing in, in uh, the service right now? It's on prayer, right? And how many of you have ever, you, you hear these things and you say, I want to sign up for an hour of prayer. And you go, uh, what would I talk about for an hour? Like, 
I'm five minutes, seven minutes, and I'm out of ideas, right? Well, one of the reasons that we study the Bible is to recognize what God is doing and how he is doing it so we can thank him for it. So as we go through this list of things today that are the means of grace for the ch- within the church, we want to be thankful for each and every single one of these things because these are ways that God has allowed us to know him and experience his love through these mechanisms. So that's one. Two, I want you to, I want you to be... Um, I want you to have a hole in your heart if you look at these and you go, I don't, I don't experience that. Well, let's get engaged so that you can because these are things that we should be uh, paying attention to. And then number three, I want you to notice the difference, and the difference is up on the screen right now. So means of grace are, and I probably shouldn't use green, so sorry for that. Uh, means of grace are, it looked great on my computer screen, and this is what happens when I don't think about how it looks to the end user, right? Uh, so means are great, and these are most of them. Grudem doesn't say this is a comprehensive list, and I think these are numbered in your, uh, in your handout. But the, the Protestant view of things is going to be that salvation is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. It is not of works. It is a gift of God, which if it sounds familiar, that's because we pulled it straight out of Scripture, right? So, so it is, it is uh, grace from God, and these things are things that we get to experience after justification occurs, after salvation, that moment of salvation occurs. So that's the Protestant view. The Catholic view, the Roman Catholic view, is that these things are ways in which God gives us grace to complete our justification. It is a continual working throughout the entire course of our lives, up to and including extreme unction. Anybody know what that is? Last rites, right? Up until the last moment you are alive, that God completes the justification process, and now hopefully, hopefully, and you may need some extra prayer after you die, but hopefully you are going to be a believer. So two radically different views of salvation. This view is this is the stuff that God gives you after salvation. This is the view that God gives you to get you through salvation. You see the difference? Now, Catholics would call the, you may know the word that they use to describe these? Starts with an S. Sacraments. These are the sacraments, which is one of the reasons that we don't call uh, the Lord's Supper and baptism sacraments in a Baptist church. We call them what? Ordinances, Ordinances, which is a different word, on purpose. Because we don't want folks to get confused with the idea that this is saving you because this doesn't save. This is add. Yes, I need to go up higher. Oh, is that better? Wonderful. That's great. <clears throat> I was wondering why I was having to... Sh- you were, you were kind of leaning in the whole time, Miss Carrie, and I was like, I can't go any louder. I'm sorry. It's just not there. So does this, does this concept make sense? Yes? Are we good? Any questions about... I don't stop and ask questions, and I, and I don't have a 47-page uh, lesson today. So are there any questions about this as we go through? Yes? Uh, the Eucharist. Anybody want to draw a line between this one and something over here? Yeah, it's the, the Lord's Supper or communion. Um, the, this is the Greek word for basically communion. So not the koinonia communion, but the Eucharistic um, uh, meal communion where you would eat communion. So Now, again, 
uh, over here, the Catholics would say that this is, you are consuming the actual body and the actual blood of Jesus Christ, and that is how that union occurs. We would say, and we're going to study the Lord's Supper and Baptism next week, uh, we would say that is symbolic and that is, it, it does have a mystical union, but not a physical blood and flesh in our mouths at the time. This view is one of the reasons that uh, Christianity was, uh, uh, what's the word, pressed? What's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? Not suppressed. It was afflicted. It was persecuted. Thank you very much. the, the Romans uh, put out decrees because they didn't understand what was going on with communion. And they said the Christians are cannibals. They hide themselves and lock themselves away in small rooms and they eat flesh and drink blood. So really bad theology can have an impact on our walk in the world. So we need to be very clear on how we communicate these things because that is not what is happening, right? So... All right, so you got baptism, this occurs kind of uh, almost at your birth. Confirmation, this is where you are. Um, has anybody ever been confirmed? Been confirmed? Yep. Anybody ever tell you what it was? Yeah. Yep. What is it? They said that it was my adult decision to follow Christ. Absolutely. And I also had to get married Yes. There's some check boxes that you have to do, right? Yep. So the Eucharist, this is uh, typically, uh, this is, now this is going to be communion only inside the Holy Mass. This is not something that you could go and do outside of the framework of the Catholic Church. Uh, penance, uh, this is going to be the, I'm, gonna, I'm really simplifying this, so I apologize if this is oversimplification. This is the I'm sorry's, the asking for forgiveness, the, the beads, the, the rose, praying through the rosaries, those types of things. Uh, extreme unction, these are the last rites. Uh, and then holy orders, anybody know what this one is? This one's not for you. This is only for the priests. Only for the priest. This gives them the authority to go and to do their priestly work. And then matrimony is... Dun, 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 dun. Yes. So, so you see a little bit of, like, the, the Eucharist is over there, and that's baptism's over there, and that's about it. Okay? It's kind of where the similarities stop. And even both of those would be defined completely differently in different columns. So I wanted you to see the different components and how this fundamentally is different. So last week we looked at a lot of church governance structures and we took a very, a very open hand. I hope I showed you a very open hand on a lot of different ideas and mechanisms for the way this could work. I do not want to take a very open hand on this list. This is, I think this is a very dangerous list that is not nearly as theologically accurate as what we were looking at last week. So, make sense? All right, let's dive in. So let's look at uh, what are these means of grace, um, and we'll just walk through them one by one. So Grudem puts as number one, uh, which I would put as number one as well, as a teacher, which is teaching of the Word. Uh, those of you, these are all of your blanks for the rest of the handout, basically. So you're going to look ahead you can. <clears throat> so let's look at second. Does anybody know 2 Timothy 3.16 off the top of their head? I bet we do. All Scripture is is good except for those begats in the Old Testament that I don't really understand. I skip past. Is that right? No. no. All Scripture is what? Yes. Profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That the? Yes. 
There you go. And I love the last part of that verse because it's not just truth exists for truth's sake. Well, that's wonderful. God could have designed the universe for truth to exist for truth's sake. But there is some clause at the end that tells us what it is for. What is it for? The very end of that verse. Thoroughly equipped for all good works. We are to do something with it. It is not just, I am smart. Well, wonderful. There were a lot of smart people in Jesus' day who were completely baffled that he was the Messiah, and they missed him. It's not about being smart. And I say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> this is good. So teaching of the word. These are some things that, we, that God gives us grace uh, through, shows us his grace through uh, a collective uh, working in the church. Now, so number two is baptism. Uh, so Colossians 2.12 Again, we're going to do a whole Sunday school lesson next week on baptism and communion. Um, so he's got Colossians 2.12. I'm looking. Yes? Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith and working of God, who raised him from the dead. Yes. So the baptism saved, right? Is that what that verse says? No. What is saving? Through... Faith, yes. It is faith in which we are saved. The baptism we're going to see next week is a picture. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture. And, and uh, some of you are probably familiar with this, but the baptism concept did not start in the New Testament. It is a, like almost everything else in the New Testament, it is an Old Testament concept that was tweaked and given significance in meaning and then used in a different way. And the Passover happened for almost 1,500 years before Jesus showed up and went, uh, sort of, let me tweak it for you because it's really all about me. And then you have this whole new meaning and it's just absolutely beautiful. So number three is the Lord's Supper. Uh, and again, there's a lot of uh, names for this. So you've got the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. Uh, you've got communion. Um, it, it, I've heard other names before. Did anybody have a different name for it in their church growing up other than the Eucharist? If you called it the Eucharist, it, it kind of tips your hand at what your theology is. So it's a pretty easy way to tell. But anybody else? Another name for it? What's that? Holy Communion. Yeah, I've heard of Holy Communion, right? Um, and the, sometimes Holy Communion is put on it to distinguish between, hey, we're just going to go out to eat. And we communed together. But it wasn't for the purpose of remembering Jesus Christ's death and sacrifice. And, right? So you kind of set it aside and make it a little bit special. So, all right, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17. Yes, Dave? The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break is not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake in that one bread. Yeah. So one of the things I think that we lose at times uh, in our Baptist explanations of this, and I want to flesh this out a little more, It's okay. The slow clap moment there is what that is. Uh, next week we'll look at that a little bit more. But one of the things we lose is that we, we, can, we can exclusively symbolize things and lose the spiritual mystical union that's actually occurring here. Right? We can say, well, it is only a picture. Well, yeah, it is a picture, but there's a union with Christ that's going on here. And there's a cohesiveness inside the body of Christ that occurs when we actually do communion. These are good things. There is a spectrum of only union or only symbolic. And I think both ends of that, both tails of that uh, 
distribution are actually incorrect. I think in the middle is a much more uh, proper view of what this really is because this communion is more than just symbolic. We are actually participating uh, with Christ here. So number four is prayer. And, and if you want to put in parentheses after this corporate prayer, uh, one of the things that, that we are commanded to do in the New Testament over and over and over and over again is to pray, right? Would everybody agree that we are commanded to pray? Right. So the majority of the letters in the New Testament, were they written to individuals or they, were they written to churches? Churches. So when we in the New Testament are commanded to pray, we in American Christianity interpret that as me and my personalized Bible as opposed to us and our collective worship of God. So many times in the New Testament, that command to pray is a corporate command to pray, to gather collectively with your congregation and to pray. Uh, and I think we miss that sometimes. So let's look at uh, Acts 4, 24 through 31. Yes. Our missionary back from the great parts of Detroit. Thank you for coming back to us in one piece. We were both deeply concerned and proud of you at the same time. So thank you for that. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So who's they? You know, when we start with a pronoun, we've got to ask the question, who's they, right? Because we can't just jump off in the middle. So they is some believers, right? Okay. So we've got some believers going here. This is good. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who said? They said. They said. So does, let's talk about pronoun usage for just a moment. Um, uh, they is more than one person or one person? More than one person. So you have more than one person praying here. Now, have you, have you ever been in a church where more than one person prayed at the same time? Yes. I first experienced this in college. Uh, was a freshman at Bob Jones University, and Bob Jones did not have a um, did not have a church on campus. We we had a worship service in the morning, uh, but buses from local churches would come and pick us up on Sunday evenings and take us to a church and Wednesday evenings and take us to a church. So for the first time in my life, I got to be a bus kid, which really changed my view on how you treat bus kids. But we'll talk about that later. Um, the, uh, the, my favorite church picked us up on Sunday nights and they'd pick us up early, like four o'clock. I was like, church didn't start till five. I'm like, yeah, but we're going to feed you a home-cooked meal. How often are you going to do this? Oh, we're going to do that every week. <laughs> Two years. It was amazing. Still love those people to this day. And meal would end about 4.45, and everybody just kind of got real quiet all of a sudden and left the room we were in, and I was like, we're going to do the dishes because there's some dishes need to be done. You know, I, you help. Somebody feeds you, you help. And we all went to this other room. I didn't know why we couldn't do it in the room we ate in, but I went to this other room. And this guy stood up, and he started praying. I was like, oh, we're going to pray. That's cool. And then everybody verbally joined in. And so my daddy, when I went to college, told me, watch out for visiting churches, because some of these real country churches will bring in some snakes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
is this like, is this phase one of the snakes? I don't know. And it, and it wasn't in any way, shape, or form. They were some of the kindest, most God-fearing, loving people I've ever been around. But it was the first time that I had been exposed to 50, 60, 70 people verbally in a room praying out loud and not saying the same words. They were each praying and thank, and it was just like, what are we doing? I mean, I, I'm a bit of an introvert, those of you that know me, and this was like my eye got very big in that room at that moment. I, I got really nervous. And then I realized they're just expressing their love for God. And, and it, was, it was a really, really beautiful thing. I'm going to come back and we're going to finish that, that text. Yes? I was just going to ask you, was it loud, the volume in the room? It was incredibly loud because they should not have had 60 or 70 people in that room. They should have had 20 people in that room. Um, so it was, it was probably about like this from here to the end of that room. And there really weren't any chairs in there, but he just kind of was kneeling down. So it was unstructured physically and unstructured verbally. And my structured math brain just kind of went, we got to. But by the probably three or four weeks of doing that, I was praying right along with them. And it was great. And it was, and it was a it was, team building is the wrong term, but I don't have another word to use other than was cohesive. It was a beautiful thing. Oh yeah, I know Harold Sightler, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they did it in the in the church auditorium. There was two or three hundred people. Oh wow. And I remember it was kind of loud. Yes. I mean everyone was just yes. simply praying out loud. Yes. And and I didn't realize why the guy that started was was talking so much louder than everybody else. But he was giving everybody the cue on and we're done. It's like, oh, you guys like, that was cool. Yeah. Like, that was the, one of the most structured, organized. In, I mean, they all landed their planes at exactly the same time. <laughs> like, that was really cool. So that's a modern version of what we are hearing right now. So they said what? Sorry. Uh, okay, can I start over? Sure. All right. <laughs> and so, so here's what I love. Always feel free to start over because we don't want to miss the intent of what the passage is actually saying just for saying the words. That is never okay. So great. Good job. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand to happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal, to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Sounds pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Now, the complexity level of that prayer is high. As far as pulling in facts from the Old Testament, pulling in facts that just happened a few weeks before, and what, where are we in the Bible? Acts chapter 4, which means baby Christians. Okay? These folks were all in. This was amazing, amazing stuff. And really cool things happened when corporate prayer occurred. So corporate prayer, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
Uh, number five is worship. So worship is both an Old Testament concept. Uh, obviously, if you've, you know, you can't get uh, more than a few books through the Old Testament and see the, the value of worship. Second uh, Chronicles 5, 13, and 14, who's got that? I know we haven't been in the Old Testament in a while, have we? It's that part on the left, all right? Yeah. The big part on the left, yeah. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking Jehovah, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised Jehovah, saying, "For He is good; for His loving kindness endures forever." Yeah. That then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of Je- the house of Jehovah. Isn't that awesome? Then- yeah. So they got rowdy in unison. <clears throat> Lots of instruments. All headed in the same direction. This is a beautiful thing. And then Acts 13.2. He's got Acts 13.2. Yes, wonderful, Miss Sherry. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work which I have called them. As they ministered, yes. Okay, sorry. I was, th- I was thinking, nope, can't go anywhere with that verse. Does anybody have a different word for ministered? As they what? Worship. Worshiping, yes. <clears throat> Ministering and worshiping have a very, very similar context in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Ministering is a form of worship. But so let's read that. Can you read that again with the word worshiping instead of minister? As they worshiped to the Lord and fasted, they, uh, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have taught them. Yeah, so, so that the, we kick off the domino here of Barnabas and Saul's ministry, which ended up having a pretty good impact in the world. There were a lot of other dominoes that fell as a result of that, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I just thought, too, it said they worshipped or ministered to the Lord and fasted. Yes. Yes. And fasting, so, so fasting is a, uh, would, so here's a good Bible trivia question. Does fasting belong in this list? Do we do it corporately? Or do we do it privately? The Bible says it's privately. Yeah, it's a, fasting is a privately uh, directed function. So, so there are. Uh, it's, I think this is a good observation. I don't think I thought through this, and Grudem certainly didn't touch on it. So I think you've added to his. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, yes. In the Old Testament. In the New Testament, though, yeah. Oh, there you go. She got it. There you go. The direction that we get, the specific direction in the New Testament around fasting is individual. So, so maybe we have license to do it publicly too, and corporately. Not, maybe not publicly, but corporately is probably the right word to say. Good. That's a fun thread to pull. All right, so what you guys just saw right there in a minute is me studying for like hours and hours and hours and hours and going, can I go? No, I can't do that. Can I go? No, I can't do that. And just all these little threads that, nope, nope, no. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I bet there's more to that. And you just start to peel and peel and eventually it ends up as a lesson. So fun stuff. Great question. All right, so number six. Uh, and you may not think about number six as uh, part of something that is a means of grace, but church discipline. Um, if you think about church discipline as a mechanism to keep the, the church pure, this is a way that God gives us grace then to help keep his church pure. Now, we just, we just looked at 
uh, church discipline, I think, last uh, two weeks ago. So I won't go back into those same verses. I've listed them there, though. Uh, number seven is going to be giving. Giving. So we've got 2 Corinthians 8, 5, and then 9, 6 through 15. So we've got 8, 5. Yes, it is. I will not say giving is easy if you do 2 Corinthians 8, 5 first, but it is, um, there is much more alignment if you do 2 Corinthians 8, 5 first. If you give yourself to the Lord, if I have given over what I view to be the most valuable thing in the universe, which is me, because I'm the center of my universe, right? If I give that away, then the stuff that I'm stewarded with, um, that I'm stewarding for someone else, that's not as valuable. So then we got uh, 9, 6 through 15. Is that the... Yes, I got it. All right. But this I say, he, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, yeah. and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed. And who, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food? He, God. He, God does this. Yes, great. Keep going. Sorry. Now, he, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Yes. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of, your, because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Absolutely. Now, the Greek language is an interesting language because there are two uh, words for the word you. Uh, there's a Greek word for the word you that is you, Miss Darla, you. And there's a Greek word for you. The Greek words in that passage are you. It is not an individual. It would be y'all, yeah, right. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> Southern Greek. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I feel like I have to go take a shower now because that just it feels like y'all know. I, I own my Southern background. I mean, it, I'm, I'm all in, but it just feels a bit wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's no fried chicken in the New Testament. You're going to just mess with me now. All right. Uh, number eight, uh, spiritual gifts. Uh, we're actually going to kind of blow through some of these. We're, we're going to do two full weeks on spiritual gifts in August, so we'll uh, pass over those. Uh, number nine is fellowship. Uh, number ten is evangelism. And then number 11 is personal ministry to individuals. And I want to park here for just a second. So uh, the first bullet there is going to be words of encouragement or exhortation or wise counsel. So how do we, how do we personally minister to each other inside the congregation? So, so the congregation gives us the framework in order to which 
to exercise these personal interactions. If we didn't have the framework, it would be a very fuzzy, how do we know where to, and how, and to engage and who, who's in and who's not and those types of things. So Colossians 3.16, who's got Colossians 3.16? Signing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Signing songs? Singing. Singing. Songs. There we go. Okay, great. I was like, is, I thought uh, sign language was explicitly called out, and I was like, that is really cool. I don't remember that at all. So. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. Yes. So we can, we can teach each other through non, I don't know what the right word here is, but non-singing forms, and we can teach each other through singing forms. It's, this is a very broad application here. Uh, the second bullet there is giving, giving to assist the material needs of a brother or sister. So 1 John 3, 17. Um, God did not send his son into the world to yes. condemn the world, but through the world, him might be saved. Absolutely. So God gives us an example of this type of a giving, uh, and we get to give, give uh, as well. I probably meant to highlight James 2, 16 uh, there, but I'll let you look that up on your own. Uh, third bullet. Uh, not necessarily on the Baptist uh, to-do list, but uh, certainly in the Scripture and something that I think we should consider doing more often, which is anointing with oil. You're like, wait, what? It's in the Bible, and we're not talking about Acts chapter 2 where we get kind of wonky and fuzzy. So what does James 5.14 say? Is that the right verse? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him. Call for the whom's? Elders. Elders, plural, and we talked about them last week, right? So if you don't have a plurality of leadership in place, is it difficult to obey this verse? That would be correct. That'd be correct, right? You start messing with the dominoes, and things don't fall like they should. So, so they must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Yeah. And you're like, well, how does that work? I have no idea. <clears throat> I also don't get how the imputation of Christ works, where God gives me Christ's righteousness, and I get to be as righteous as Jesus Christ. But I'm going to accept and own that one too. So I'm cool with it, right? Uh, And then the fourth bullet there, the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands. So let's go to Hebrews 6. And do you notice the volume of verses after this? The big chunk of those are in the Gospels, and this is where Jesus touched somebody or laid his hands on somebody, or where somebody came and asked Jesus. There's several of these passages that don't talk about, come heal me, come touch me, come lay your hands upon this, because we know that just the touch will resolve, which is a really beautiful thing. So Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Yes, sir. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So he calls repentance from dead works the foundations. And there's a comma, right? Okay, so we're going to list more foundations. In faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. These are the, the basics. So he lists resurrection of the dead. He lists faith in God. He lists laying on of hands. These are the basics. Interesting list, right? 
think that's a very interesting list. So conclusions that uh, Grudem draws here, and this kind of goes back to the point number two I was making earlier, Hebrews 10.25. Um, anybody know Hebrews 10.25 from memory? Some of you are going, well, I don't like to go to church. Okay, this verse says some people are not going to like to go to church. And we need to encourage each other. All right. You know what the word forsaking means? The word forsaking is a, uh, it's a shipping term. It's the idea that I was, I'm supposed to dock at a certain port. Like I'm supposed to stop at that port. And, and I, I see that port and I'm like, yep, I'm supposed to stop there. But I'm just going to skip that port. It's literally, it's a shipping term is what it means. It's a conscious, intentional skipping of something that you see as available to go and do, that you're supposed to do, that's on your path, that's supposed to be done, and we just skip. So if you don't know what forsaking means, it means skipping a port. So don't skip the port. Stop. In. These, and I don't think this is even a comprehensive list, but these things are wonderful, wonderful benefits to being part of the church. And it is fantastic. Yes, sir? Oh really? Ship passes over a port, you get clock. You get what? Clock. Cargo left on pier. The opportunity to grow in Christ. Oh. Cargo left on pier. That's right. Uh, <laughs> That's good. I bet we could pull that thread for quite a while. Dad gummit, we can't right now. Oh well. <laughs> So next week, we're going to be looking at, uh, the, so the questions in here are very good this week from a, what can we do to be thinking proactively? How can we assist with these? Uh, it's, it's a really good perspective, I think, on uh, congregational unity and coming together. Uh, so Acts 2, 41 and 42 is a scripture memory passage for next week. And then uh, that's the Sunday school lesson for today. Now, next Sunday... So we, we were going to have our uh, fifth Sunday meal today, but the, uh, I'll, I'll be very candid and honest. Palms up, honesty here, is the UFC 201 was last night, and I just, it was just too much. So we're going to do it next week. So have a, a meal next week. It might be in here. It might be at a restaurant. Uh, we've got some brainstorming to do. If you have suggestions, my wife is in the back. You can let her know, uh, and we will go from there. Yes? Got the fish fry next uh, Sunday evening, yes. Um, so we're going to keep it very low-key and simple So for a meal. So lots of meals next week. A good opportunity. So uh, the weekly update is in the middle of your table. Please make sure that you have read over those prayer requests. Make updates as you need to. Please make sure your name is at the bottom. It's very helpful when doing attendance. Pray as a table and you are dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School.